0: welcome everyone to the below average joe's mma podcast thank you for joining us for this weekend recap edition it's february 7th 2022 Whew. the second worst day of the week dominic and i always stand by that as monday
1: ah so what's the the worst day that's tuesday
0: tuesday is the worst day of the week
1: you know i used to feel the same way now i did what
0: do you, do you feel differently now
1: I don't even know what my least favorite day of the week is, but I can vividly remember my time when I was working um, back up at Bowling Green where we went to school, that Tuesdays, people would always complain about Mondays, but I'd be like, nah, Tuesday is the rougher morning for me. So I just always remember that in my head.
0: Yeah, and I can't really explain why because, you know, Monday you're jerked out of your um, you know, slumber, sleeping in, having yeah. enjoying your time, and it's like you're back at work or if you're in classes or whatever it might be, but there's something at least like, I don't know, it's at least like in the moment, depending on what you're doing, Monday could be kind of nice to get back into a routine maybe a little bit, but then Tuesday comes and it's like, I'm not even halfway through the week yet. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of the, the reasons why Tuesday sucks is because Monday beats you down so hard. <laughs> that that <laughs> so, could be
1: the truth. That's true.
0: So it might be a hot take, but I'm standing by it for now. Tuesday, the worst day of the week. So that's why Monday recap ain't too bad.
1: Right. That's but, why we uh, stay away. No content on Tuesdays.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the, the, that is the plague right there, Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. But um, thank you again for joining us we have all made it through the ice storm of 2022 Whew. I swear man you know that like you know that there was a time when when like you you ever hear your parents mention the the blizzard of 78 yes And and dude. I swear every time snow comes someone mentions it
1: yes whether it's my yeah.
0: mom my dad someone and it's always the blizzard of nineteen seventy eight. I'm like, my God! I'm like, what happened? Right. I'm like, it was so bad that everybody just remembers it. And every time snow comes, it's like that. That that is the the ten, you know. Yes. yes. So we made it through the ice storm of twenty twenty two. Dominic, I'm assuming that you were iced in for at least a day. Yes, I was. Um, how was the weekend? I know you were celebrating your sister's birthday. Uh, congratulations on making your way out. Uh, you you were in a uh, escape room, I saw. Oh yes, I, yes. your mom's Facebook does always exposes you.
1: But yeah, it was a great weekend, man. Uh, I got to celebrate uh, my little sister' her thirteenth birthday. Had a lot of the family over, and I had one stipulation during the party, and that was, mom, we can have this party. It's it's not me. It's pay- you know it's my sister's right. time to shine. But can I have the fights on the TV while everyone's there? And she obliged. So I was sitting on the couch eating pizza, eating cake, <clears throat> eyes glued to the television, or at least as much as I could. The whole family there was asking me everything about MMA. I felt like a smart guy. You know, it's kind of cool when you're around people that don't watch it. So, yeah, you're like, uh, hey,
0: Joanne Calderwood's never been taken down exa- before. It
1: brings me back to that every time. Exactly. <laughs> Luckily, none of that happened for UFC Vegas 47. So I had some good fights to watch with family, with friends. It was a good weekend, man. How about yours?
0: Uh, it was nice. I'm pretty sure I didn't put pants on <laughs> since we were in here the last time. So last Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure i I went from once we stopped recording, I just you know like when you could those pants where you could just like rip them off.
1: yeah, I think of sure. the guy in a uh, jackass. Um, well, I can't remember what his name. No, but the, it's the guy that always goes. I like to party, and he rips his pants oh, off he's Oh, pantsing. yeah. Uh, Ryan, I forget is what his it,
0: name Was like. it Ryan Dunn, or is that the one that passed away?
1: That was the guy that passed away. I can't remember. Someone let us know in the comments below. The new Jackass is about to come out, by the way, too. Yeah. That's uh, what it reminded me of.
0: Yeah. that's. So <laughs> when we got done recording, I shut my laptop, and I just ripped them off. <laughs> and then from Wednesday evening until right before we started recording, or did I? Uh, i've been going no pants
1: everybody watching this is now <laughs> trying to like they're looking around they're envisioning what kind of underwear does he have on all this stuff yeah hey anyway
0: comment below give me your guess <laughs> what if you guess the, the if you guess the color right we will we'll, we'll give you we'll give you all the money in our anchor balance
1: <laughs> there we go
0: <laughs> but um i guess dominic with that being said let's get into the fight announcements
1: Let's do it. Well, the the announcement.
0: You know what? Can we just talk about my underwear some more? Because I really don't want to talk about this fight. I knew you were going to say something about it. <laughs> I'm <this>. just kidding. <laughs> five-round main event happening on May 21st. We'll see Holly Holm going up against Ketlin Vieira. Now, Dominic, I will admit, when I saw this fight was announced, I was like, okay. Mostly because of the five-round main event part, but... Wow. Bantamweight got shaken up with Juliana Pena's win against Amanda Nunes. That's true. So all of a sudden, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to act like this fight is like going to be the one I'm most excited for on this card, which Mm -hmm. is kind of the reason why it shouldn't be a main event. Like if it's not going to be the most uh, interesting fight on the card or the biggest fight on the card, because likely whatever the co-main is is going to kind of exceed it, probably. As has been the case, I don't know why the UFC keep trying to force Holly Holm into like five round main events and we've seen it. Like, you know, she looks good in five rounds, but like Ketlin Vieira had a pretty dull performance in her five round outing with Misha Tate. Yeah. So I, I I'm glad that they're being matched up, but I would I would rather it not be in the circumstances that they are. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a a good way to put it. I mean, what's crazy, too, I was just looking. We haven't seen Holly Holm since October of 2020, so she didn't fight at all in 2021, so a a bit of a layoff for her. I know she had some fights that got scrapped, but, uh, you know, she's back here. As you said, another five-round main event, this time against Ketlin Vieira, so a fresh matchup. Uh, Also, as you alluded to, Ketlin's performance against Misha Tate, not the craziest. You know, there weren't a ton of big takeaways here, but – if she can come in and beat Holly Holm, she's all of a sudden going to be catapulted into the top two in this division, potentially right there for a title shot. For Holm, if she wins, is she going to get another title shot? So I, I don't know. It's just so odd in terms of like trying to match make for Holly. But she is on a two-fight win streak. She can make it three here. And then it's just hard to kind of deny her, I guess, at the same time. I don't know.
0: It depends on who the champion is. And now mm. that's not going to get answered for a while because we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But the rematch between Pena and Nunez is probably not going to happen till the fall. Yeah. So Holly Holm, though, I will say, in her last main event, like you mentioned, October 2020, was a like renaissance performance for her mm-hmm. against Irene Aldana. She looked fantastic. Aldana had been yes. surging a lot. A lot of people were really interested to see how she would do. And Holly Holm just... Beat the brakes off her for five rounds. Yes. Didn't barely got touched in that fight.
1: Second best performance I've seen from her outside of her title win. Exactly.
0: So even though she has a long layoff, which could be a factor here, I think this is a tough fight for Ketlin Vieira. Mm-hmm. I mean, Holly Holm. There's a reason why people are kind of tired of her, and that's because she is not good enough to beat Amanda Nunes. At least so we think. I mean, who knows now? Because yeah, Amanda looked like a shell of herself against Juliana, but based off of what we've seen in their first encounter, she's not good enough to be a champion right now. Right. But she's basically good enough to beat everybody else in the division besides maybe Jermaine Durandamy. Yeah. So she's a gatekeeper, but she's gatekeeping literally the the challenging for a title spot. That's true. So she's kind of become the, I guess, a pariah to some fans because... UFC love putting her in these main event spots. And I get kind of why, but at the same time, I don't. Like, what is, like, I guess maybe it's more for Ketlin Vieira because she still has a lot to prove. And yeah, she's the one that with the win could really pronounce herself as a title challenger. But we saw how she looked over five rounds. She looked, I don't want to say she looked bad against Misha Tate, but it was just a really sloppy fight. Yeah, and Holly Holm. We've seen how she looks over five rounds. She looks good. Mm-hmm. she She doesn't tie, she doesn't gas out. She's got boxing light. she's got really good cardio. So mm. I don't see what doing this for five rounds really proves. And if this is the biggest fight on that card, I'm just not going to be
1: you know in love yeah. with it. I, f- I see where you're coming from for sure.
0: But that's all for the fight announcements. But we do have some more news, Dominic. That that's starts right. with Tough Thirty. Season Another one. yeah. the Woo. Ultimate Fighter, it's back. Going to be starting in May, right?
1: Yeah, they start filming later this month, comes out in May.
0: Yeah, so the, the two divisions for this season is heavyweight and women's flyweights, which I'm on board with. I think mm-hmm. those are two divisions that could use, I mean, women's flyweight is on the come up, yes. but two divisions that I think could use a more focus uh, on the prospects and trying to build a pool of talent. But we have the announcement as far as the coaches for this season and the rosters were released for the two divisions. So Dominic, Amanda Nunes, and Juliana Pena will be the coaches for the 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Let me get your thoughts on that first before we talk about the the pool of talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks like the rematch is going to happen. You know, We had all these question marks in the immediate aftermath, especially myself with Amanda's future in general. But here we are, they had a nice little interview on uh, Sports Center or something, so not a lot of animosity. They were just discussing this, uh, the season coming up, kind of how they felt about it, and then of course the rematch that will follow, I'm assuming sometime in June or July it looks like, and uh, you know, it, it's exciting. Um, it's not, you know, I still feel like they, there was somehow, it wasn't able to work out for the UFC to get Mosby doll versus Covington. I feel like that's still a miss in terms of having a ton of eyes drawn into your show, but... You you know you have this built-in storyline here. Dana is adamant on saying this is going to be the biggest women's fight of all time. Now you have a whole season to brew it up even more and create more storylines. Uh, you already have the talk of a man to leave an American top team too and make it her own kind of coaching and private team. So there is still a lot going in here. And uh, again, we're going to get the rematch and potentially could lead into a trilogy and just an, a long prolonged rivalry here in the women's divisions. Uh, I'm excited. I'm just glad that Tuff's back. I know you weren't big on, like, the return, but it just gives me a little bit more MMA to watch is all.
0: Yeah, I think this is, like, a big mistake. Big mm-hmm. mistake by UFC. Not the fight, like, not the rematch. I think that's the direction you should go as far as uh, a fight. Nunes, Pena, two. But the worst part of UFC 269 in the buildup was any time that those two had to talk trash to one another.
1: <laughs> and as much as
0: we like to say, Dominic, that tough is about the prospects and and, the, and building up these guys that are on there to make a name for themselves, men and women to make a name for themselves, it's really carried by that rivalry between the coaches. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why the Volkanovsky-Ortega return season kind of didn't do it for a lot of people is because – while the fight was very highly anticipated, it wasn't because they like hated each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they kind of got to the point where they were kind of annoyed with one another or whatever, but it's more just because they were two of the highest level featherweights in the world. So it yeah. didn't lend itself to be like, oh, I got to tune into that. Right. Peña Nunez, I think, is actually going to cause people to avoid it <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than... Cause Nunez is already not the, the best <laughs> that, that she is the goat of women's MMA, but trash talking. She is not right. She doesn't speak like perfect English. And of course with that accent, it's hard to kind of understand her when she starts like getting fired up and angry, mm-hmm. but her trash talking leaves a lot to be desired. It doesn't make her any less of a fighter any less of a champion. It's just the reality. Juliana Pena kind of awkward, <laughs> kind of awkward if I'm being honest, uh, ever since she's been champion, and really in the lead-up, like she was saying the demand that Amanda was ducking her, and it was like, what the mm-hmm. hell are you talking about? And yes, she won, but ever since then, when, she's came, when I've seen her talking, it's a little cringy. So, yeah. if anything, I think that these two being the coaches for this season, kind of just going to make more people tune away, if I'm being honest. I mean, it's just going to lead to a lot of probably cringy moments, and Not much else, but I'm going to use that to transition into the rosters being released. Now, obviously, Dominic, this is a lot of regional talent. Yes. Prospects. These are people that have mostly, mostly, never fought in the UFC before. Now, first impressions of the rosters, because when I looked at these, I said there was one takeaway I had, and that was it is clear that Contender Series is now the place to go for the best regional talent out there.
1: Yeah, I I even got that feel during the Return of Tough. The Contender Series is, like, legitimate. I mean, we've seen how many have came off that show so quickly and rose to title contention status and uh, contender status, challenger status, I should say. But, you know, here, I am excited, actually, that it is heavyweights, though. Just because, again, you kind of alluded to it's a division that needs it right now. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm excited. I mean, there's a couple guys that are undefeated. Most of them are in their prime. Outside of Bobby Maximus, who's 43 years old, and yeah, which apparently
0: that that wasn't his name when he fought in the UFC previously.
1: Ah, former but, UFC guy here.
0: Yeah, I guess he he hasn't fought since 2009. No, nothing. Apparently not. No, he's oh. not fought since 2009, and. Hmm. When he did fight in the UFC previously he it was under a different name and I can't remember now, but um, this is I mean that's glaring. You're telling well, me that you was sent me the, the list
1: and I was like, That's the outlier. Bam, boom, right there is what I you know. But you're really telling me you couldn't
0: I mean. find anybody else. Anybody right. a little better? Like nobody? Yeah, I'll be he curious. He hasn't to see fought like, in twelve years. Thirteen yeah. years.
1: Yeah, when they do the storylines for everyone, I'll be curious to kind of see what was behind like thought process of bringing it back there's got to be some sort of story there with this and then of course the flyweights we've already discussed how i love the up-and-comers that are coming through the back half of that right now and you know maybe just maybe there's a few in here that could enter that as well a lot of these women though for the flyweights are i mean not that many of these people in general are super experienced but a lot of them two and one three and one four and two so not a ton of fights it could leave not so desired outcomes when they actually face off but we'll see
0: yeah, I just, I can't help but look at this and I'm like, at best, you're going to get someone who kind of fills out the the, the curtain jerkers on the bottom of the prelims. I mean, I, I th- this was where it was like fully confirmed in my eyes that like, tough is not required viewing. It hasn't been for a mm-hmm. long time, but even when they brought it back and we thought maybe they would change things up, to me, it's very much like, the most hardcore fans, sure, you have more MMA to watch. But really, it's probably not worth your time. And mm-hmm. I think that the Contender Series is clearly the better product at this point. Tough has its place in history. and obviously in some way saved the company mm-hmm. to run its course. I wish they would just like get, I kind of wish they would just do away with it and put more resources into the contender series cuz yeah. obviously if you you could just do that. I doubt you do two viewer, of them a year, you know? I mean so I really long. just don't I just don't really believe that the viewership numbers are like that great for Tough. I just don't like I have a hard time seeing that that. So,
1: and I feel the wh- complete opposite about Contender.
0: Yeah. So like why what's keeping it afloat besides Dana probably just having this like it seems like he has this like part of him that just like is so attached to the concept because of what it did for the company. It's true. But seriously, the fact that that Bobby Maximus, and I don't care if that's the outlier, Dominic, I mean, that is, uh, he is considered basically by this evaluation. He is one of the top heavyweight prospects in the world, according to this. And I just think that that's an asinine (laughs) statement.
1: You wait and see. Bobby Maximus is going to be the Tough 30 champion at the end of the season. Hey, can we talk
0: about this? You know, I I want to get your thoughts on this because I, we don't have this fight on here to talk about, but since we're talking about the ultimate fighter, mm-hmm. we did see Brian Battle and Treshawn Gore, who was kind of – that was supposed to be the finals matchup for middleweight. Yeah. They fought on the card Saturday. Battle got the win via decision. What did you think of him having his tough trophy there?
1: Oh, they did. I didn't even realize that afterwards. Yeah, he well,
0: no, like he brought it with him because they gave him a trophy when he won. Yeah, when he Serena. won it. But when he was getting interviewed by Bisbee, and he had it in his hand, and he was. It was I a feel, little. It's a little goofy. I I'd say
1: he more than likely did it just to be like, "Hey, this was supposed to be the real one, and I just beat him as well." So maybe that's why he brought it. I didn't even I just, realize that.
0: It just, I don't know, like, to me it was, I felt like the fat and and I hate to sound like this, because Brian Battle looked good, and, you know, maybe he does have a future in the UFC, but, like, I look at him and then, like, Ricky Tercios, who won the other division for Mm -hmm. Tough, and it's like, these guys would be, like, my 10th most interesting prospect from uh, the season of the Contender, like, they they they've just are, like, another guy on those shows. But Brian Battles, he had this, like, impassioned speech about how, like, this proves that I am the ultimate fighter and yeah. stuff. And I couldn't help but, like, sit there and go, wow, it's officially not cool to, like, be the ultimate fighter That's anymore. Tough.
1: I Speaking of Ricky, by the way, I need to see some more Ricky Tercios.
0: Yeah, I agree. But um, let's move on. John Jones, as Who? he's going to do. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's been a while, you know. Oh, wow, like Dominic. we ain't. Was that the first time that was that the first time that Dominic kind of got a little got a little spicy on a fighter? I'm just
1: I, I've been so used to hearing from John after like every card, but we ain't heard from him lately. <laughs> but then UFC 270 happened, and here you he know. is.
0: Yep, he has been tweeting a lot, and most recently took an interesting direction. Yes, he did. He basically tweeted and called out the heavyweight goat, Stipe Miocic, who we have not seen since UFC 260, where he lost his belt. So, Dominic, I'm I'm wondering here, Francis Ngannou, going to be out for a while, going to have knee surgery. There's already the added element, contract negotiations. Yep. Do we see John Jones versus Stipe for an interim heavyweight belt, or just in general?
1: We will see John Jones versus Stipe Miocic in July for International Fight Week for the interim heavyweight championship of the world. Yes, this fight is going to happen. Uh, it's a it's a massive fight. It's you know you've got the former heavyweight champion and Stipe, the heavyweight goat. John Jones even said, "Who wants to see the heavyweight goat?" versus the light heavyweight GOAT. There's so much that you could, you know, ride into this. Uh, and then it's John Jones's debut at heavyweight that people have been waiting on for so long. It, it's a big fight. It's the return fight of John after what will be more than likely two and a half years. That's just my prediction, by the way, in July. It could be later than that. Um, so, yes, it's going to happen. We're going to see it. It's going to be for interim belt. Winner fights Francis. That's all I can say. It will happen. I'll be shocked. I'll be more shocked if it doesn't happen.
0: At this so. point, yeah. And who would have... I mean, really, I never would have... It it seemed like such a out of the box concept not too long ago for John Jones to make his debut against Stevie. Like it just seemed like it wouldn't happen. I remember we talked about this very idea in like August, and it just seemed like not going to happen. He's fighting Mm -hmm. for the belt, but you know, and got new contract stuff, and got new knee injury. All of a sudden, an interim champion is going to be introduced now. Are you as big of a fight as this is, considering how we're going to get to this point, potentially, mm-hmm. where the UFC is clearly trying to bring in another interim champion to potentially, you know, I don't know. It doesn't feel all genuine. I mean, Ingadu yeah. might be out for, a, I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be out after his surgery, but I assume most of the year at least. Yeah. So, we we are not typically proponents of the interim title, so do you think with everything going on it's earned, or do you feel like it's, is it kind of take away from the excitement when you know that there's perhaps some politics that are being at play to make it happen?
1: This one... Again, this is all hearsay right now because it's not confirmed. We're acting like it is, but we just feel like it will happen. So this one will be more right, I think is like the only way to put it, being that you can justify, hey, Francis is out for nine months on the sidelines of surgery, and that is, at least in our case, usually where we're okay with an interim belt coming in, but you look at the one that Cyril Gon got, it's negative. For your,
0: speak for yourself.
1: Fair enough. But the one that uh, Cyril Ghosn got was god-awful. Uh, we hated yeah. everything about that. So, uh, you know, when there's an injury, when your champion's on the sideline for nine months, I understand putting an interim uh, belt on the line, it's going to make the fight better because you can promote that there's a championship on the line. And this fight's already massive, don't get me wrong, without a belt. But I just, you're not going to headline a pay-per-view with John Jones versus Stipe with nothing on the line either, so...
0: Yeah, realistically, you're right. I mean, that's, what I mean. That's not why exactly, but, you if you do this fight, there should be gold on the line.
1: Yeah, and either way, like an interim belt at the end of the day is a number one contender spot. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't like it though. Like I get it
0: that that's like maybe I just shouldn't be that bothered by it, <laughs> but you know yeah. how I feel, Dominic. I that's why I said speak for because I'm like probably the least interim belt guy there is. Yeah. Like, of course, I hated the one that got introduced for Gon Lewis, but I don't like him, like, at all. I said the only way is, like, you have a long-standing champion who, you know, I was talking about Anderson Silva in his prime, GSP in his prime. They go down with, like, an ACL tear out for a year. Mm
1: -hmm. Then you
0: do it. Here, I mean, you're kind of hitting that spot where, again, I understand the -the behind-the-scenes stuff pretty much makes it likely that we won't see Ngannou until the beginning of next year at least. So because of that, I understand introducing it, but it does kind of take away a little bit from it, in my opinion, when you know that perhaps the whole reason it's being introduced is less because Ngannou is injured and more because they want to play politics and say they're like trying to almost get him to take less money, perhaps. Because it's like, well, we have another heavyweight champion now. It's John Jones or it's Steve Bailey. We don't need you kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and also, by the way, too, have we ever seen uh, where an undisputed champion during their reign has had multiple interim championships? Because Habib rings the bell off the top of my head. Yep. Dustin became interim champ. Justin became interim champ. But, like, outside of that, to have more than one interim during the span of someone's undisputed reign is quite unprecedented. The the
0: The GSP have... More than, or actually, you no, know, who did have two? Brock Lesnar in his reign. Frank did he Meir, really? Frank Muir was an interim champion and Shane Carwin, I believe.
1: And Brock's reign wasn't even that long. That's what's. I it, mean, and something about the heavyweights, I guess.
0: It's kind of lining up with where Ngannou is at this point. Yeah. I mean, but That's I'm pretty funny. sure Lesnar had two. And then it was mm-hmm. the weird thing Lesnar kind of had more than that because if I remember right, because Randy Couture is who he beat for the belt, and Randy yeah. Couture was also involved in a lot of contract disputes with the UFC. They had brought in an interim belt when Randy was still champion, and I believe Big Nog Noguera won it from Tim against Tim Sylvia. Mm-hmm. And then I think they had him defend it. Defend an interim? Yes. Damn. And I can't remember... <laughs> If he lost it to Mir, and that's how Mir got an interim title, so it was like Brock beat Randy for the undisputed title. But you, they also like the month before that had Mir fight Nogueira for the interim heavyweight interim title. title. <laughs> so like Mir still had a interim title when you had an undisputed champion. Yeah, and I, if I might be off on some of those details, <laughs> but it's it's almost so messy that it feels like it's true because you got someone like Brock Lesnar involved.
1: Yeah, that's also very true. And then here we are in 2022, 13 years later, and we're in the same boat. <laughs>
0: yeah. But uh, again, it's a big fight. Like It's one oh, yeah. of the biggest fights you can do. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm not going to be excited for it. We're, we're, we're fans at the end of the day. Yes. We, lo- we would love nothing more to drown out everything on the outside and just focus mm-hmm. on what happens in the cage. And we try to. Yeah, and that fight in
1: itself is. I think
0: is, we do a better job at that than, than a lot of people. Yeah. But it's just hard because I'm, you know, Nganu is a guy that I feel like has earned our support. Right. It's hard to not feel for him a little bit here. But. And you do have man. to, and it
1: just makes me wonder. I can't help sitting here during this discussion and think, okay, had Francis won that fight the same way against Cyril Ghan, uh, back in January, but there was no knee injury. What what would we do? Do you think we would just see Francis and John, or do you think there would still be some? I mean, because obviously the contract talks are still there, regardless of a knee injury.
0: So know? apparently, what I think, and I, and this might change from what I said post two seventy, because at that time, like we kind of knew him had a knee injury, but we didn't know how long he was going to be out for. I don't think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said I thought by the fall. They would work it out. But based off the contract, he's under contract until basically January 2023. Yeah. Whether he defends again or not. So I think you probably see, you won't see him again until at least then. Yeah. Because I think he's going to use that to try to be like, well, now I'm a free man. I'm a free agent. Yeah. And then that's going to you know test his market value, see what he can get. UFC is going to have to try to, you know, compete against other entities to retain his services. So, because of that, it's almost like injury or no injury, you almost have to do We've, this interim belt, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, it's it's going to get very interesting. I still think, I still believe that by the end of all this messiness and politics, I still believe Nganu will stay with the UFC and will remain the heavyweight champion. It just sucks that, like, it sucks to sit here in February, the first week of February, and know that we're probably not going to have a clear, like, direction on this heavyweight division until, like, at least another year next year.
1: Yeah, it sucks.
0: But But... let's move on to the, (laughs) with with that somber note, let's move on to the regional showcase. LFA 123. Is mm. what we watched this week, Dominic. The third time we featured LFA on the show, they're a mainstay. I mean, let's be honest, they're the biggest of the smallest. <laughs> they're I the like biggest. That. Yeah, they're the can biggest. Can we get that on of, a shirt? <laughs> yeah. The LFA, you could have it. Just, you know, give me like five cents for every shirt or something. Yes, yeah. yes. Out of the regional promotions, they are like the premier organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially in terms of like feeding talent to the UFC.
0: Yeah. They have a clear, you know, relationship with the UFC. They're on fight pass, all that. Uh, And actually, hold on.
1: Why we're on that note, I just had to say, because I heard it on the broadcast. Like we said, it's the premier they send a lot of people to the UFC. I think they said over 260 fighters from the LFA circuit since it started. Uh, have went to the UFC. So then there's yeah. just a little bit more background oh, on There that. you go. That's a lot. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's a shit ton of fighters.
0: Because the LFA's, I don't know what yeah, It that... used
1: to be RFA. Yeah, it used to be RFA. And then LFC bought them, and now it's LFA, I think. Yeah, Something so like I, that. If it counts
0: both, we're going to... The umbrella. So if it's 260 across both, then I'm pretty sure that dates back to like 2005 or four. I might be wrong on that, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. But now, but
0: no title fight for this one. But we did get to see some really high level prospects in this on this card, Dominic. But as I always do, I'm just going to open the floor to you and say what stood out to you, good or bad, from LFA 123.
1: Uh, well, I have to start, of course, with we always I feel like we always analyze the production, but we've talked about the production side of LFA already, it's great, top tier. But the commentary booth this time around, Laura Sanko, Anthony Smith on the call. I loved it. Noah and I talked about this off recording, and we couldn't help but feel that it maybe they're they're warming them up, right? They're both. They haven't made their commentary debut. In the UFC, they've done like pre fight and post fight shows. Uh, Laura does the uh, weigh in shows on the pay per view days. And she's done the contender series. series. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, because they're both fantastic. I love listening to Anthony Smith talk. Laura Sanko is incredible at analyzing fights as they happen. Let's tune them up, right? Shawn Michaels tuning up the band. <laughs> and then hopefully this year we see them both on the commentary team. So they did amazing. The fights were great. It was a pretty long card, over three hours long. Uh, but honestly, the first kind of main card fight, Logan Nail, after suffering a nut shot like forty-five seconds in, yeah, he, he goes about twenty seconds in, and then he gets a knockout after that against uh, Houston Williams. So both those guys, it was two and two versus one and one. And again, you see that a lot on these regional shows. But Logan Nail. Built like a brick shit house and had a very powerful striking. That's what led to the knockout there. And to do that just 15 seconds removed from a groin shot, you know, maybe the groin shot wasn't as bad, but still I'd be puking after 20 seconds of groin shot. So that was pretty impressive. A KO to start off the main card. I want to go with that one, Noah.
0: Okay. So obviously the main event, Dan Argeta getting a TKO, he looked fantastic. Yes. Uh, I believe that makes him 7-0 now. Um, it's pretty clear that he is probably going to be in the UFC sooner rather than later, yeah. um, and really his opponent too, Myron Santos Alves. That guy could very well be in the UFC, soon. they were both flyweights, right? So, mm-hmm. um, with a division like flyweight that is in need of kind of more talent, those both those guys I think could do very well. But mm-hmm. Argeta getting the TKO in round three takes the cake, but. I'm going to focus on the co-main event, even though it wasn't the, the most exciting fight in the world. Asgar Asgar, interesting name. Yes. He gets the unanimous decision win over Rice-Golbeck Ibramov, another interesting name. Hmm. And even though Ibramov was not like, the most highly touted opponent, Asgar Asgar is an interesting story because he was signed by the UFC a couple years ago never made his debut had a lot of health issues i believe was never able to make his debut so then he's been back in lfa for a second stint i believe now that was his fourth fight i believe he's three and one
1: yeah
0: in his four fights at lfa and to me with this win i mean it was that grapple heavy performance but he kind of just enforced his will for the most part Mm-hmm. I think it's time to bring him back. I mean, you already thought he was UFC caliber before. He's only 27. Mm-hmm. Very clear that, like, give this guy another shot. I mean, I yeah. know the health issues, but who knows what really led to him not being in the UFC anymore. But um, as long as the relationship is still okay, I think you bring him back in.
1: Yeah, we got to see him in the cage this time around. Obviously, if he stays healthy, it could be an absolute problem.
0: Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, Cody Davis and Peyton Brzezinski?
1: I, I like that fight. I feel like all in all, tip for tat for three straight rounds is the most competitive fight. The first round was nuts um, with Brzezinski and Davis going back and forth with one another. Almost Was that finished. the one, was, on both was that side. the
0: fight, for some reason I'm like blanking, was that the fight where, I can't remember who, which one it was, they thought they had like finished it, so they kind of like, Oh. there's a fight on this card because i'm gonna the be honest, first round i didn't, round it was I didn't watch it. this card in order but as weird as that <laughs> is but there was a fight on this card i can't remember now you know what just there was it, a, a moment where someone got hurt dropped and they yeah. kind of like walked away as if they thought it was done but then it wasn't done so then they had to keep fighting and i think that fight went to a decision but yeah anyways, but, uh keep going
1: I just saw, you know, it was the most competitive fight. Both guys looked like legitimate prospects. I'm excited to see kind of how both uh, will play out the rest of their LFA career, maybe get into the UFC. Cody Davis did get the unanimous decision win. But a lot of grappling, good striking, a lot of transitions. Everything was just so evenly matched in that one. So I like watching two, you know, perfectly stylistic matchups, uh, fighters go head-to-head.
0: Completely agree. Let's move on to UFC Vegas 47. Here we are. Main event, Sean Strickland remains undefeated at middleweight. And he put up a pretty perfect performance here. He he does get the win over Jack Hermanson via Not split decision. Not according decisions. to Saudi Amato. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a split decision. We'll get into that. But I guess before we talk about that, Dominic, um, Sean Strickland's obviously kind of made a name for himself as of late, more so for kind of his <laughs> character yeah out of the cage a a character he is truly um, has said some very interesting things he's really people are just now kind of becoming aware of like this guy yeah and I think because of that he was talking a lot of talk in the lead-up how he was gonna kill Jack or he's you know he says these things He already kind of is going you know you, you saw the hype stuff He's trying to build himself as, like, a villain, you know. And and when you see him on Twitter and stuff, he talks about how he's almost, like... He has, like, these serial killer thoughts and shit. So, I mean, it's really weird, really dark. But once the fight actually took place, I think people were, like, kind of surprised that, oh, this guy's just a highly skilled striker who (laughs) will do what he has to do to win for five rounds. I mean, the jab is one of the best in the division, mm-hmm. and he just kept it on Hermanson. Hermanson never was able to take him down. John yeah, Strickland great down defense. has not been taken down since the Kamaru Usman fight at welterweight. He's never been taken down at middleweight. And honestly, I know that's not really going to be the battle when he fights really anybody else in this division besides maybe Derek Brunson but, um, or maybe Marvin Vittori, but mm-hmm. I, I – uh, I was very impressed here, Dominic. What would you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just—he's a, a really well-rounded fighter at the end of the day. And he, he gets finishes, but he's shown time and time again that he can go the distance, whether it's three or five rounds. This is two five-round back-to-back shutouts, essentially, that he's pitched in a row. Uriah Hall last year and now Jack Hermanson. Again, forget that wacky scorecard that someone gave Jack Hermanson. But, uh, you know, again, Sean Strickland, he, he is a very technical striker up but still a little bit of the the brawl side that you like to hint every now and again. But last night, not so much of that until the end, but uh, just a very smart fighter, you know, very intelligent, good fight IQ. And now he's going to, you know, that's six wins in a row. And he's now launched into, you know, number six, number five. We'll see on Tuesday morning where exactly they put him. But he is now amongst those top contenders in this division, maybe one away. Maybe he sits and gets a title shot. But regardless, it was a great performance against a guy who, And Jack Hermanson has been in there with a lot harder competition than Strickland has up until this point. And he made it look relatively easy, man. It was a shutout performance.
0: Yeah, two of the three judges gave round three to Hermanson. And that was the first round that Sean Strickland has lost at middleweight in his. Really? Wow. Which, I mean, that just says a lot about who we're dealing with here. This guy is, um, look, he's got a lot of antics. You know, he says a lot of things that are going to make you uncomfortable. But as far as when mm-hmm. he's in the cage, the guy is highly skilled, high IQ, yeah. like you said. He fought a perfect game plan against Jack Romanson. I mean, Jack, to his credit, showed a lot of heart, a lot of durability. Fought round five, came out aggressive knowing he needed a finish, but mm-hmm. he just isn't good enough on the feet to hang with a guy like Strickland. Strickland is just that much better. And when Hermanson couldn't get the fight to the ground in round one, you could tell that it was going to... It seemed like as soon as, like, halfway through round one, when I saw Hermanson fail on a couple takedowns, I was like, if this fight's fought at a kickboxing range for all five rounds, this is going to be a long night for him.
1: Yeah, I think Strickland stuffed seven out of seven. I think yeah. they were up to seven that
0: he stuffed. It was. He amazing. might have got he might have got credited for a takedown. I'm not because there was like one that was like kind of iffy, but mm-hmm. um, I digress. He hasn't really been taken down at middleweight. Yeah. I don't know what the stats are going to say on that, but this puts John Strickland in an interesting position because it seemed like a lot of people were disappointed with the fight by the chatter I saw online. And I think that that's reasonable because it wasn't like the best fight in the world. I personally thought it was perfectly fine. I mean, Mm -hmm. one-sided for sure. But, you know, I I didn't think it was a terribly boring fight. It's kind of what I've come to expect with Sean Strickland when he's in the driver's seat. That's what you get. A lot of jabs. Um, his oppo- he really just kind of breaks down his opponents. It's a—it's a bit of a more brawling version of what Adesanya does a lot of times, and I, yeah, and not to compare the two because they're completely different, but just you know, he—he he will if he can break you down over the course of five rounds mm-hmm. and do it pretty, with pretty simple attacks. I mean, again, a heavy jab doesn't, you know. Doesn't real wasn't really doing a lot of like different combinations, not a lot of like mm-hmm. crazy offense. I mean, he kept it very simple, and it was Jack just had no answers. But mm-hmm. it puts him in an interesting position because it's it felt like and you can tell by Strickland how he felt after the fight. He seemed very disappointed in himself. Yeah, because he felt like he kind of coasted to a victory. Um, he wanted. To, to really kind of put a stamp. And I think a lot of that's because he knows that with the kind of performance he wanted to put on, it could have really enticed a fight with the champion, Israel Adesanya, or I should say the winner of next week's main event between Adesanya and Whitaker. Yeah. So I didn't expect after that fight, no matter how he won, to be like, hey, this guy's probably getting the next title fight. But Dominic, based off the performance, based off the fight, did it improve or did it did it just reaffirm in your eyes, like no, Canonier or Brunson is getting the next title fight, like based off of what you saw on Saturday?
1: Yeah, so as good as the performance as it was, which again was damn near perfect almost, I still feel Cannonier Brunson, the winner of that is gonna get Uh, The winner of Izzy Whitaker, unless Whitaker wins and they do a trilogy again, we'll worry about that next week on UFC 271. But um, I do feel that Strickland is one more win away from a title fight. And I can't help but be a bit intrigued to envision Adesanya versus Strickland. You know what I mean? I mean, you kind of talked about how they're, they're both willing to pick opponents apart with their striking over the course of five rounds. And if a finish comes, it comes, but they don't rush it at all neither one of them but they still fight so differently you know sean's a relatively tall long lanky guy as well i think that'd be a fun fight strickland just is a guy that can cause problems for everyone ahead of him still in this division and beating a guy like jacker manson who is super well-rounded who is a good grappler um said a lot for where he stands and where he can be you know by the end of 2022 which could be across the cage from a champion so A great performance, um, but again, I'm going to go Cannoneer, Brunson winner, should get the title fight first. Strickland, one more win,
0: and he's in as well. I would agree that the winner of that fight next Saturday should be next, regardless of if it's Cannoneer or Brunson. But we talked about this off recording. I kind of have this theory right now that I think Sean Strickland might be in a better place than people think in terms of maybe he did. Secure himself a potential title shot. And, and let me explain why. It does depend on who wins next Saturday. Yep. Both in the tight fight and in that uh, <laughs> yeah. bout between Brunson and Cannoneer. But let's say Izzy wins. I think most are kind of expecting that. I don't know. Maybe there is a lot of pe- people thinking Whitaker. But let's say Izzy wins just because he is the champion right now. If cannoneer wins i think there's no chance strickland gets next title fight i think izzy has said previously he wanted to fight cannoneer and i think cannoneer now is back in a position to where he wins this if izzy wins i think that's the fight you do next but if brunson wins it's interesting because again i think brunson would have earned it i mean that's what five in a row for him um he dominated guys like darren till and edmund shabazi and Mm -hmm. Potentially, we'll see what he does if he were to be Cannoneer. But um, he does look much improved from the guy who, you know, was a bit of a 500 fighter five years ago. Unfortunately for him, though, he kind of, his last loss was to Israel Adesanya. Yep. Adesanya on his rise. Really, Bronson was kind of the the guy that was. what do you call Talking them, like? trash and Well, he was he was the one that was kind of fed to the beast that was Adesanya on his mm. rise. Um, that was Adesanya's kind of like welcome to the, the welcome to the big time, you know, it was his yep. big moment to shine. So because of that, and it, even though it was like four years ago now, three and a half years ago, I think it's still people don't look at that matchup think that it's it's gonna go any different a second time and I think there's also something to be said that the champion has some say here too Mm -hmm. and I think Adesanya is getting tired of these rematches he rematched Marvin Vittori he's rematching Robert Whittaker he seems very clearly tired of doing rematches he wants guys that he hasn't fought before to step up Mm -hmm. so if Brunson wins I actually think that there's a chance, a good chance, that if Izzy wants it, Sean Strickland would be the next guy for the title fight. And to even reaffirm that or double down on that, Sean Strickland and Izzy are represented by the same gentleman who said on Strickland's behalf that he felt like the biggest thing for him that, um, or the biggest, uh, I guess, benefit for Sean Strickland and the place he's in is that he is a fresh matchup which to me says he knows that because he represents Izzy and that he knows what Izzy wants. So if that's truly what Izzy's looking for, I think there's a decent chance Sean Strickland's the next guy. Now, if Brunson goes out there and puts on like a beating on Cannoneer, you know, highlight reel performance or something, kind of does to him what he did to even Darren Till maybe, it's going to be hard to deny him at that point. But if it's a bit of a dull fight, and I know Strickland had a dull fight, but if, if if it's not one that, again, doesn't really put a stamp and says, my title fight next, and then you leave it up to the champion to kind of pick who he wants, I think Sean Strickland might get it over him. I really do. I like that. No. I never cap. would have thought. I never <laughs> would have thought that I would have said that. I feel like a tinfoil hat guy right now. Like exactly. Like throwing around. I'm like Eddie Bravo I'm Like when you look into it. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, any, or let's talk about the scorecard before we move on. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Sal DiAmato. Chris Lee's in the good graces of the community <laughs> right now. <laughs> I put a tweet out there. Now, look, Sal DiAmato is a name that's been around for a long time. Years. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, he has a very unique name, and I've heard it time and time mm-hmm. again. Which makes this all the more confusing because i think he was responsible for the worst mma scorecard i've ever seen (laughs) not to be like recency bias because i just chris lee what kind of made him on my shit list was he scoring that felder dos anjos fight for paul felder and that was just a weird scorecard yeah but you know for Sal, like I don't know about Chris Lee. Maybe Chris Lee's been around for a long time, but Sal Diamante doesn't like. He's not a guy that I've maybe I'd, I haven't paid attention to judging for that much. But this is just a very puzzling thing here because he is such a mainstay for MMA judging, which just makes yeah. me think that no matter how far we think we've come. <laughs> That there's still so much work to do on MMA judging because you got a guy who's been there forever and he just put in this. Yeah. I mean, this is unforgivable because I know it ended up not mattering. Sean Strickland wins. But if there was another judge that was as on his phone as much as Sal Diamato was during this fight, who was asleep at the wheel. As much as Sal Diamato was here, Sean Strickland could have lost that fight, Dominic. Yes. And it's, it 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 can hurt people's careers. That's yes. the problem. So it's just like when people jump down, you know, when people get on Herb Dean or any of the other referees when they make All right these mistakes because it can shorten, alter someone's career. If you have an early stoppage or a late stoppage, it can it could hurt a career in many different ways. Yeah. Same with judging. So I think this is unforgivable. I mean, I think it's scorecard like this is enough to be like, you're never scoring. You're never judging a fight again.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know how that works. I don't know how, like, again, I know the state commission is the one who brings these judges in. These aren't UFC do not hire these people. So I know that, like, it's not the UFC's fault. But how is this at this point, how are we still having scorecards like this?
1: Yeah. Like it's one thing, big, August, go ahead I was just gonna say there's a, this was a card where we had two other well, there were three total split decisions but the two other ones were like much more competitive and more understanding to get a split out of and I didn't even think one of those two shouldn't have had a split but regardless there were two other splits and they made more sense this one absolutely no way did Hermanson get three of these rounds and it's just uh it's crazy to me that like you said this is still happening this far in and for Saudi Amato let's take a vacation let's take a break I think when Chris Lee made that scorecard we said he would take a break we need him away for a little bit um would go back to some classes go back to read some books I don't know me and Noah if we we can step in and judge I think we would do better <laughs> than what this one was so again when it comes to hindering a fighter's career their earnings uh, their potential to grow and move up forward in this sport. I mean, we're talking Strickland's on his way to a title shot. If he loses, it fucks that all up. So uh, that's where it's a really big problem for me. And uh, I know everything can't be perfect. I get that. Not every judge can be perfect and whatnot. But, man, you ask every single other person that watched that fight, I bet you wouldn't find another one that scored 3-2 to two for Hermanson. So
0: For what it's worth, I guess all of the uh, media scorecards were all for Strickland.
1: That would have been stock. awkward if one of them did it and I just said that big <laughs> statement. But <laughs> well, no, I,
0: I mean, for what it's worth, not that I necessarily put a ton of stock on other, yeah. you know, MMA media scorecards, but I, you've seen it, right? Like, you've seen those where um, certain websites will post them all, like... Yes. When you look at, like, GSP, Johnny Hendricks, and it was, like, Hendricks yeah. all the way down, and then you had, like, two or three people at the bottom that scored it for GSP. Um, this apparently didn't have a single person that scored it for Hermanson, besides Sal Giamato, of course, and yes. he's the one that counts, so <laughs> uh, shame on you. <laughs> let's, on. Talk about, let's talk about the big standout from this card, Dominic. Yeah. It's got to be Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, he gets the first round KO of Carlston Harris. That makes it 15 fights, 15 finishes, 15 and 0. hmm mm. Is it too early to say that this guy is a future title challenger, Dominic?
1: Not one bit, my friend, because he has shown absolutely zero weakness when he stepped into that UFC octagon. What, it was one thing to start out 2-0 against the competition that he had, but to do this against Carlston Harris, who was on a five-fight tear, all via finish, 17-4 record, well-rounded, he makes it look so easy, Noah. He makes it look so easy, uh, does Rachmanov, man. What a, he, Again, like you said, biggest performance, biggest highlight. Uh, of the card, and honestly, the biggest, the most standout performance of the year through three cards so far. I mean, this kid's unreal—a future title contender, to say the least.
0: Yeah, uh, that's so true. Uh, very interesting. You said through three cards, the biggest standout so far. You're, you might be right. I mean, maybe, maybe you give it to Calvin Cater because mm-hmm. you know the the main event. But no, I mean that that's regardless. That's just splitting hairs. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, this guy through a month that we've had the UFC back is the biggest talking point right now or the biggest standout and last night or Saturday night watching this on Monday yeah felt like he was finally kind of becoming recognized a little bit
1: yes it did very much more, much
0: more than previous you know he's been on our radar for a little bit but it felt like we've been having to like really push his name out there and be like guys, Shafik Rahmanov, be aware of him. Yeah, but even like I mean, you did friends, it on the round table. Yeah, even our but our friends, you know, like uh, Branson, he posted a tweet about Shavka Rahmanov before the fight. So to see like that, there were people kind of interested in him, not just because of like our preview or whatever, but just that he's really his platform is getting a little bit bigger. And then mm-hmm. after this win, the fashion it happened. You throw a spinning heel kick. Cold. Yeah. Follow it up and knocked him out cold with the follow up punches. Yeah. Um, it, top 15's got to be next, right?
1: Oh, um, I sure hope so. And then, you know, it's, it has to be a part of the discussion, though, because we were talking about this off recording. We saw it on Instagram and Twitter. BT Sport, even our friend Branson, as you said, brought this up as well. Shavkat Rachmanov and Hamzat Chemaev are both 27 years old, they're both undefeated phenoms and they're both in the welterweight division. Now, Hamzat, of course, a little bit ahead. He's in the rankings, right? We realize this. But it just feels like a matter of time for these two gentlemen are squaring off not only just as a fight with two superstar athletes, potentially for gold on the line. No, I mean, this is the future of this division right now absolutely exploding, and Rachmanovs deserves to be a part of that same type of conversation as Hamzat, even though he doesn't have that that following, that – That trash talk that Hamzat does, skill set-wise, he needs to be right there in the discussion, in my opinion.
0: It's so interesting that Hamzat might be too far along to even call him a prospect anymore. (laughs) I know. If you do do call him a prospect, (laughs) the two biggest prospects in the UFC are both in the welterweight division. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah, because it's not the division that typically people go to is like one of the best, in the, and company. it's
1: in the division with the most dominant champion right now.
0: <laughs> That's true. Now, uh, we do have a champion that also is put to, perhaps on his way yes. out. Yes. It's like a couple of different directions it can go here, because it's like which one of these guys and you know being further ahead kind of answers that, but it's like, which one of these guys could potentially take the crown from the king? You know, who could, to beat a man, you got to beat the man. Who could take down Usman? Yep. Or, Usman retires, and then you kind of have a vacant throne. Mm -hmm. Which one of these guys is going to be good enough to hold that position next? Because I think one of these two, they're going to be hard to beat. The only one that, I mean, I don't know how that matchup goes if they have when they if they when they fight, <laughs> yeah. But man, I can't wait for it.
1: I mean, it's you—you you gotta feel like it's—it's it's just bound to happen. Um, but yeah, again, the fact that the two, like you said, two biggest prospects in the UFC whole organization, both at 170 pounds. Woo.
0: And what I think is even more impressive about Rockmanov is he—you know—Hamza started his UFC career against John Phillips. Mm. Not really a UFC caliber guy. I think he went two and six in the company. And then he did have that amazing feat where he fought like less than two weeks later against yep. Reese McKee, who unfortunately fizzled out after going like 0-2. And then he fought Gerald Mearchart, who's more yes. UFC caliber while Rockmanoff made his debut against Cowboy Oliveira. Yeah. Who and finished is <laughs> Yes. Who is maybe past his prime, not as good as he once was, but, Definitely UFC caliber.
1: That's a hard-ass debut fight, is what you're saying. <laughs> so basically, yeah,
0: hard debut, and it's not necessary. Michelle Prezeros was the next one who, yeah. I believe, just got suspended for PEDs. <laughs> so you fought a jacked-up version of that guy. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And he, But he's no slouch either. Very uh, much shorter, stouter version, but like a fucking just tank of a man. Yeah, Another UFC caliber opponent. And then yeah. here, Carlston Harris, who I still think has a bright future, and he made it look easy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, yeah. I don't know when you're going to see him really be tested, but I don't know if it's going to be 11 through 15. Yeah. I mean, right now he might be outside the top five. Maybe every fighter ranked in that division. Yeah. Him and Hamza, you know, they feel like they feel like guys that are. Already ready for top five, but like yes. kind of have to bring him along a little slower than that, you know. Exactly. That's a,
1: they couldn't have a more accurate
0: statement than that. Let's get into the rest because there was some other standouts here. Yeah. Brendan mm-hmm. Allen takes the fight on just a few days' notice. <sighs> he gets the submission over Sam Alvey in round two. Had to go through a little bit of adversity to get there, Dominic. Yeah. Uh, but that does make it eight straight fights for Sam Alvey without a win. 07 yeah. and one during that time. We'll focus on Brendan Allen for a second. Was this a was this the win that you feel like he needed to kind of get himself back on track, or was there any concern with the fact that he kind of had the weather, some early adversity in round one?
1: Uh, mm, no to
0: both, and it's because so it, uh,
1: obviously he got back on track, right? I mean, he lost in well, I think it was November when he fought to Chris Curtis or something
0: like November that. November wasn't December, that, yeah.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that long ago as well. So um, to get a quick bounce back here, but he took this fight on three days' notice. It was at 205 pounds. You could tell looking at his body, he's not a 205-pounder. He no. just walked in off the couch, essentially. Um, but he gets the finish again, had some adversity. It didn't really do anything for me in terms of like, oh, he's right back on track. Uh, but I'm still a huge believer in Brendan Allen when he's has a fight camp and he's at 185 pounds. I, I love the guy. I think he has a, a lot of potential. Um and then for wait, what was your second question? Sorry, I was about to go to Smile and Sam, but you had the, a second part. The, the <laughs> second
0: question was more like the early adversity that Brendan Allen oh. had to face. Did that was that at all like worrying to you moving forward?
1: Uh no, not really. Just because Smile and Sam at the end of the day, yes, he's been on a horrific skid. But uh, you know, he's a tough guy, he's been in there, he's a veteran, and Again, it was a three-day's notice. Brendan accepted this fight on Tuesday at 205 pounds. There wasn't much takeaway for me on Brendan, but I am happy he's back in the win column. But you know, it comes to the detriment of smiling Sam Alvia, a happy guy. Well, usually, not always, but sometimes in fun fights. Uh, but this, I mean, eight. What was that tweet I sent you? It's the longest like winless streak since BJ Penn. being well, a, it's tied it, for the tied. most of all time. Eight yeah. in a row. So, uh, you know, I still, for some reason going into this fight too, I was amazed that he's still only 35 years old. So it's not like he's, you know, can't fight anymore, but the end of the road, probably for the UFC, at least that's what I would think. I don't see how you can really justify him being in there. I know he's a veteran. I know he's willing to fight whoever, wherever, but, uh, you just can't really justify it. You don't want to see anybody take unwarranted damage, uh, because the finish was pretty convincing from Brennan. He hit him with some good shots before getting the submission. So, uh, yeah. That might be the end of the line for smiling Sam Alvey, Noah.
0: Well, it's just the 35 years old, but it's fight years versus age, right? We talk yep. about that all the time. So, yeah. Good career for smiling Sam. He was a favorite for a long time. But, yeah, Brendan Allen, good win. But it's hard to – he just don't really know how to – Yeah. He took it on such short notice, but he feels like a guy that's much better than Sam Alvey at this point. So, it's kind of – Yeah. It's hard to really evaluate it, you know. Yeah. After that, Julian Arosa and Steven Peterson kind of went to war. (laughs) Hell of a fight. Yeah, they they went to a three-round war. It does go to a split decision. I do think the right man won here. Julian Arosa gets the win. Uh, Dominic, this was all gas, no break, all offense, no defense. It was sloppy. It was fun. I I mean, Julian Arosa, this is what he does, though. This guy is so underappreciated right now. Yeah, people need to look at Julian Arosa the way they look at, I don't know, Darren Elkins. You know, he's a guy that's like mm. a mid-tier fighter, but yeah. one that has a ton of respect behind him because of the durability, you know, that he shows in every fight. The heart he shows. Julian Arosa don't have a lick of defense, but man, is he just so fun and is he so wild with his offense that? Every fight, you don't know what's going to happen. This guy gets finished all the time. He finishes fights all the time. Yeah. And here against gets Steven Peterson, who might have the worst chest tattoo I've ever seen. <laughs> they went to war, and, you know, Steven Peterson missed weight, so it's so unfortunate that he doesn't get any of that bonus money. That's He's where I all- have a question. Yeah. Because... I,
1: that's what I was. I actually just looked it up to make sure. So they got awarded the fight of the night. Does yes. all of that money go to Arosa?
0: All 100000 goes to Damn. Arosa. And Arosa gets 20% of Peterson's purse. Oh, that is tough.
1: So season. if you're Steven
0: Peterson, that is a <laughs> very <what> <laughs> tough pill to swallow. But I mean, that's what happens. You miss weight. So yeah. I'm glad Arosa got the win because, you know, he felt like he earned it. But also I just thought that, you know, considering he made weight and everything, like, you know, just when it was a split, I was like, okay, it was a close fight, but like, I hope Arosa gets it here. He did. It doesn't necessarily tell me that Arosa is going to be like some top level guy ever, but this fight was fantastic. It was the best fight of the night, right?
1: Yeah, it was by far. And, you know, shout out to, I know he missed weight. It's a bad look for Steven Peterson, but a hell of a fight if it was just this horrendous weight cut that he was going through. He was the second biggest underdog on the card. Would have been the biggest if it wasn't for Brendan Allen coming in on short notice and fighting Sam Alvey. So to put up a fight like that, uh, wow.
0: Well, what's interesting, and this is kind of a little embarrassing for Steven Peterson, this is back-to-back weight misses. And after his last weight miss, he had apparently been saying uh, like, "Oh, I've, you know, I'm, I'm ready for an easy cut this time." Like apparently he had made all these changes, and you know, coming into this fight, he was saying like he felt amazing. He was happy that he was gonna have an easy cut, and then he missed by more weight than he did last time. Yeah, he was 149. So, <laughs> so um, while I think the performance, the fight saved him though, I think to keep it him, saved yeah. him. You give him one more fight. Uh, unfortunately he'll probably have to go up against someone who's like an absolute killer. But back to back weight, misses, Man. Can't 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 do it. And especially if you're losing, I mean it's just it's yeah. not gonna put you on the best of terms. But I think considering how awesome this fight was, how much heart he showed, I think he gets one more. Well said. Chidi and Welcome to the UFC. Yeah. Last week I, is he related to uh the Njokuani who fought on Eagle FC card? Oh, that is a good question. But I, thought, the I thought they mentioned that on the broadcast, but I don't know if they would have mentioned that or not. But I digress. Chidi, <laughs> yeah, making his debut here, 33 years old, one of the older guys brought yeah. in from the Contender Series. Yeah. He disposes of Marc-Andre Burial. This was the closest fight, odds-wise, at closing And Chidi finishes the fight via KO in 16 seconds, Dominic. Mm -mm -mm. I mean, I know on a night when you have Shavkat, Romanov, and stuff, it's easy to look past or forget about some of these performances lower on the card. But Chidi, man, showing that explosion and that, that, that finishing ability gets it done very quickly here.
1: Oh, yeah, it was the second fastest UFC debut uh, in the history of the company behind Terrence McKinney, who had a seven-second knockout last year. Chidi and Jokawani. Hey, Dana even said, if you don't know, now you know. And then he tweeted, now you know. So we love these <laughs> Contender Series guys. At 33, he's right on the end of his prime. But to put a performance up like this against Mark Andre, who's been in there and had some wars, a veteran of the game, and puts him away with a powerful, long, uh, straight uh, right hand was just—it was a vicious uh, UFC debut, and hopefully a quick turnaround. I can't wait to see Cheedy back in there. If I'm being honest,
0: yeah, he's qu- just gonna mention put him on. I put him on my sheet for newcomer of the year. He's on there now.
1: He's on there. So because, will he be now, there,
0: right? <laughs> but now the expectation. <laughs> yes, yes. I need to see more of that. Yes. So so far, contender series guys are on my list: Jack Della Maddalena, Cheedy cool. and Jokawani, and. Jailton Almeida.
1: The big debuts so far this year through three events, huh?
0: Yeah. So Almeida gets the TKO in the first round over Danilo Marquise. I thought this was a tough draw for his first matchup.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, Danilo is is a good fighter, but, man, Almeida.
1: Dominated.
0: This was so impressive. Yes. You know, again, I feel like I could say a lot of the same things I said about Chidi here where yes it kind of got overshadowed by some of the performances later on specifically shavka Mm -hmm. Rachmanov, but i not by as much as you would think like in my eyes like this was you know you could potentially make an argument that almeida was the the biggest standout of the night if you really wanted to i mean i'm not going to go that far but i'm just saying that he really dominated a tough opponent here and made it look easy and this guy is kind of scary he's he's built really well for this division his skill level's really refined and um, he's explosive he's big he's strong i mean he's a problem
1: i mean you
0: took i I can't say
1: no more there it is (laughs) but that's going to wrap
0: it up for this edition of the weekend recap let us know your thoughts (sighs) on all the fights that took place at ufc vegas 47 uh, what's next for the winners? What's next for the losers? Uh, to give us your thoughts about the Ultimate Fighter Season 30, the coaches, the rosters. Are you going to tune in? Is this going to make you not? You know, Let me know because I know me and Dominic are kind of on opposite ends there. Dominic's going to be watching. I won't. <laughs> Maybe I will. I don't know, but probably not. I'll keep you updated. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, we'll let you know how to leave those thoughts. You could comment uh-huh. down below if you're watching on YouTube. But – there's also another way that you can do that, but until uh, we will actually be back on Wednesday, three episode week, mm-hmm. we figured pay per view week. Let's bring it the Reddit roundtable. Go home. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Reddit roundtable coming on Wednesday. I'm actually really excited. I think we have a good batch of questions for this episode, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have your question featured, leave a voice message, or again, you can comment these questions on YouTube. Uh, You can leave them on Spotify. There's a section now to leave questions. We can feature it on the Reddit Roundtable. And uh, make sure to do that, though, before Tuesday?
1: Depending on when we record. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) yeah, yeah,
0: preferably by Tuesday, though, yeah. But then we'll be back on Friday. We can preview UFC 271 out of Sonya versus Whitaker 2. Till then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media
1: find me on twitter on instagram at decley 14 more importantly go follow go engage and go interact with the podcast with us on twitter on instagram at baj underscore mma podcast
0: and as for me you can find me on twitter instagram at nt underscore if you go to the link in my bio there is a link that'll take you to a league tree mm-hmm. which presents you a list of links To all the platforms the podcast's on, along with... Uh,
1: The uh, social media platforms. Which
0: includes, but is not limited to...
1: Uh, 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 Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify, Google, Apple
0: Podcasts. No, Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Ah. Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there.
1: I was close, though, you know.
0: And there's a couple Uh. links for today's sponsor. Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. First... Leaving a voice message. If you'd like to have your question featured on the show, if you'd like to have your voice featured on the show, make sure to use that link. You have up to 60 seconds. You can tell us anything you want. Question, comment, your predictions, whatever it might be. We'll feature it here and we'll give our response to it. And also there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Any and all support is appreciated as always. But um, that's it. We're out. And we'll see you all
1: on Wednesday.